Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Howdy and good morning, faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. I don't know if you guys saw the uh, picture I put on Facebook the other day of the snow in my area. Oh my goodness, we just got pummeled with snow. I, I don't ever remember a snowstorm this intense this early in the year, though I might be wrong about that. I just don't remember it. You know, I, I don't remember getting this much snow so early on. Um, usually it's like mid-November, I feel like that's considered an early snowstorm. But we got a pretty hefty snowstorm the other day. So I'd love to live vicariously through you guys. So those of you who live in Texas or somewhere south or in just like a beautiful tropical area, send me your pictures of your hometowns so that I can enjoy your guys' weather as well. <laughs> Let's read Acts chapter 11 today, verses 19 through 30. I'll be reading out of the W. Actually, am I reading out of the W? No, I'm reading out of the NLT today. You know what? I wanted to switch things up because I always read out of the W.E.B. and I love the W.E.B. And it's a public domain version, which is one of the main reasons why I read out of it. But I am able to read quite a few verses out of other versions um, before I'm like copyright struck. (laughs) And I almost never read out of the NLT version, which is my favorite version of scripture. So I'm going to be reading out of the NLT this morning. But as always, feel free to read out the version that you prefer this morning or just listen along if you are working or driving. Obviously, don't read your Bible while you're driving. That's not a good idea. But grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea this morning and let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 11, 19 through 30. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that these believers were first called Christians. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in the meetings and predicted by the spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Today's portion of scripture takes place probably about 15 years, I'm guesstimating, after Jesus ascended into heaven. And it's really interesting how when you read today's portion, you see that the Gentiles are only now just getting the message of the gospel preached to them. They never really got it before. And this is uh, 
15 years approximately after Jesus ascends into heaven. So I find it kind of interesting. That just sort of shows how deep the the resentment was between the Jews and the Gentiles at this time period where the Jews really did not believe, like truly didn't believe because of, you know, what they grew up being taught that Gentiles could achieve salvation. So it says here that after the persecution of the church, after Stephen's death, there were some people who traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. So when Saul or Paul went haywire, basically to uh, start persecuting the early church after the death of Stephen, after the martyrdom of Stephen, all the, the church spread out into these different areas, Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, Cyrene, it looks like. It says they preached the word of God, but only to Jews. And that's because truly they, di- they just didn't believe that Gentiles could achieve salvation. However, this is beginning to get changed, as you can see by what we talked about over the past couple of days in the New Testament. We talked about how Peter saw this vision, you know, coming out of the sky. He saw this big sheet and it has all sorts of different types of animals in it, both clean and unclean. And so Peter realizes then, oh, you know, Gentiles are, in fact, loved by God. And then, of course, after Peter meets with like a Roman official, which Peter would have hated the Romans at this time period because Rome had occupation of Israel. Peter sees that this Roman man and his entire family accepted Jesus and received the gift, the gifts of the spirit from the Holy Spirit. So Peter starts realizing this. He goes back to Jerusalem. He tells the people in Jerusalem, like, hey, Gentiles can receive the Holy Spirit. And where we left off on Tuesday, it actually says in verse 18, when the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting from their sins and receiving eternal life. So the Christian Jews in Jerusalem began understanding that Gentiles do, in fact, receive salvation. So that's where we leave off today. It says in verse 19, meanwhile, (laughs) the believers who'd been scattered were preaching the gospel to everybody except Gentiles. So basically only to Jews. However, it says in verse 20, and this is really interesting. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus and the power of the Lord was with them. And a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. So this was always in God's design for Gentiles to receive salvation from the very beginning when God first created humanity, he intended for not a single person to die. That was the intention. Now, of course, when Adam and Eve took of the fruit and ate it, death entered into the world. You know, God's entire plan was corrupted by humanity. But God's design from the very beginning was for all of humanity to not die. In fact, there is a verse that says, God did not intend for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So in other words, God cares about every human being, every individual, Gentiles and Jews, and wants every human being to have salvation so that they don't die a spiritual death in the end. So the Gentiles begin hearing about the Lord Jesus from just a few Jews 
that actually understand what Jesus meant when he said to go out and into the world and preach the gospel to every person. There were a few Jews that somehow got it. They understood that the gospel wasn't just for Jews. It was for everybody. These people, these Jews that did this are not named, which is so interesting. They're not named, but they are truly the start of the Gentiles receiving the gospel message. These few Jews that are not named. And it says that the power of God was with these Jews to go preach the gospel to these Gentiles. And the Gentiles, a huge number of them in Antioch, received the message of the gospel and became saved. And by the way, Antioch, from my understanding of it, when I was researching this, was a very immoral area. A lot of like ritualistic promiscuity and prostitution, just all sorts of crazy stuff going on in Antioch. So it's kind of interesting that this is where the gospel really took off in this very dark city where these these Gentiles truly did not know God and were worshiping who knows what else. And maybe it was because these Gentiles lived in the world. There's something really interesting that my husband has said to me. He said, you don't really understand how good God is until you've lived your life completely without him before. And that's an interesting statement to me because, you know, I grew up in a primarily Christian home. My mom was a Christian. And so we went to church every single week. And uh, from the time I can remember, I went to church almost every single week. And I was saved at a very young age. And I have a very different story than my husband where I went through like lukewarm Christianity where I didn't really care about it, but I never rejected God. I never went through atheism like my husband did. So my husband lived his life completely without God before he met me. And uh, he was a broken man. You know, he went through some very terrible things that happened to him. You know, he was in a relationship with this girl for five years and then she cheated on him and uh, his life was just in a mess. So he ended up accepting God and his faith just grew. In fact, his faith was way better than mine when I first met when I first met him, even though he was not as knowledgeable about the scriptures as I was because I had grown up in them. He had more faith than I did for a very long period of time. And uh, his faith is still just fantastic. He's got a lot of faith in God. And the reason he says that he has strong faith is because he lived his life completely without God. And it was totally miserable for him. So I just wonder if maybe the reason Christianity took off so well in Antioch was because of how miserable these people were. You know, they were living in complete darkness without the truth. So when they finally see the light and they see the truth, they turn completely to God and the the church just exploded in the area of Antioch. So it says that when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened in Antioch, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. He arrived and he saw the evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy. And so he did what a Christian should do. He encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. So Barnabas will be mentioned a handful of times throughout the New Testament. He kind of became Paul's sidekick. And the one thing I can say about Barnabas so far from the few times we've been introduced to him, he really has a 
compassionate heart for people. For example, he was the first person to accept Paul or Saul into the Christian faith after Saul had just like spent a year or two persecuting the church, like really persecuting the church. Barnabas was the first person to accept Paul. It kind of shows a a bit about Barnabas's character. He had a lot of grace. And that's kind of what is expressed here. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. So when Barnabas went to Antioch, he was so happy to see the Gentiles accepting Jesus. He was he was ecstatic about it. And he ends up after this going and finding Saul. Here's what it says. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul because that's where we left Saul last time. He was in Tarsus because he was in danger of being killed (laughs) Um, because Saul was uh, rocking the boat a little bit too much. And he had already had like two death threats on his life. So the church sent him to Tarsus to wait it out. So this would have been many years later from from the time we were last introduced to Saul or Paul on the road to Damascus. This was probably about 10 years after all of that took place. So Saul was chilling in Tarsus, kind of waiting. Barnabas goes to get him. And so it says, when Barnabas found him, he brought him back to Antioch and both of them stayed there with the church for a full year. So now this is where we're going to see Paul's ministry just take off like crazy. And Barnabas was the first person to accept Paul and so or Saul. So Barnabas is just a very gracious person is kind of what it sounded like. He had a lot of mercy for people and was very accepting of people. And we find this out later on as well, because Barnabas and Paul end up getting into a big fight, even though they were kind of like partners at this point in time and are going to remain partners. They split off for a while later on because Barnabas and Paul got into this fight over Mark, actually. You know, Mark, the guy that wrote Mark. (laughs) They got into a fight over Mark because Mark abandoned the faith for a little while is kind of what it sounds like. Or he didn't abandon the faith, but he abandoned the disciples is sort of what it sounds like. And maybe out of fear, possibly. When Mark came back into the fold, Barnabas accepted him again, even though Mark had abandoned the disciples. Barnabas was like, yeah, come back in because Barnabas was that type of person. He was gracious and willing to accept people into the faith very readily. And Paul was like, "Uh, no, (laughs) no, I don't want Mark traveling around with us. Like he abandoned us last time. Why would we give him the benefit of the doubt that he's not going to do that again? So what ended up happening was Barnabas split with Paul to go travel around with Mark. And then Paul traveled around after that with Silas, I believe. And so that's what ended up happening there. Now, of course, Paul and Mark ended up becoming friends after that. And Paul did eventually accept him back in to the fold. Um, And Barnabas and Paul were good again, but it's just kind of funny. You can see how Barnabas really was very, very welcoming to people back into the faith and was willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. So Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith. He went to go find Paul. And so it says that both of them stayed with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people in Antioch. And here's this little little mention here. It's kind of interesting. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So this was the first time the term Christian was coined. Now, Christian means little Christ, or it could also mean Christ follower. So that's where 
the term Christian came up was in this Gentile region of Antioch. Now, it's, it's debated whether or not the church called themselves Christians or if the surrounding people who had not accepted the gospel called the church Christians to make fun of them. <laughs> A lot of people think that it's uh, the latter, that the surrounding area made fun of them by calling them little Christs, you know? Kind of like back in the 70s and 80s, Christians were called Jesus freaks. And then um, a lot of people just coined the term. For example, that song uh, from DC Talk that was like, what will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? <laughs> and like, and then um, it was just such a radically popular song. And to this day, it still is. I remember my mom back when I was like a young little kid, she'd just be like blasting that song. It was so funny. So I, I grew up with that song. So that's another example of where a term that that was meant to degrade Christianity, the Christians like took it and made it theirs. And that might have been also what happened with the term Christian. And so now to this day, we are called Christians, even though it very well could have been a, a degrading term back in these days. It's just kind of funny. So during this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them was named Agabus. And he stood up in the middle of the meeting and predicted by the spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. And this was eventually fulfilled, it says, during the reign of Claudius. So after this prophet stands up in the meeting and gives a prophecy about how this big famine was about to come on the, the Roman world, it says that all these believers had so much faith that this prophecy would come true before it even came true, that they started giving gifts <laughs> to like other people to make sure that everybody was prepared when this famine eventually happened. That is how much faith this church had. And so they gave their gifts to, to Saul and to Barnabas or Paul and Barnabas so that Paul and Barnabas could take the gifts to other regions when they went and traveled so that when this famine eventually hit, everybody would be okay. That's how much faith was going on in the early church. Now, let me just tell you something. <laughs> Look how different it is from nowadays. If somebody stood up in your church and answer honestly, would you, and, and predicted something happening along these lines, like a big famine was coming to America or or something else bad was coming to America, would you believe it? And would the majority of your church believe it? I would probably say no, that the majority of the church would not believe it. And I'll be honest with you, I would also have trouble believing it because there's a lot of fake prophecies out there now. You know, you can go on YouTube and find a million fake prophets <laughs> that, uh, give their prophecies about what's going to happen and they never end up coming true. And so it's it's made the church very skeptical about prophecy. And even some churches claim that prophecy doesn't exist anymore and that that gift is gone. The Holy Spirit doesn't give that gift out anymore because nobody gives a correct prophecy. I don't believe that. I think that prophecy is still a gift. I think some people still have the gift of prophecy because prophecy doesn't necessarily mean predicting the future, by the way. Prophecy technically just means having a word from God. So if a person 
has a word from God and it's not necessarily predicting the future, that person is still a prophet because he's relaying a message that he received from the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, that message has to be true. It has to be the truth. If it's talking about the future, it has to come true. If it's talking about present day or giving somebody encouragement, it has to be in line with scripture for it to be true. So I do think prophets still exist, but I think it's very important for Christians nowadays to test everything they hear with scriptures. But back in these days, the church had so much faith in the word of this prophet, this Christian man from Jerusalem. So you can kind of see how strong the church was from this little story that is told here at the end of Acts chapter 11. Unfortunately, here in America, churches are dwindling and not growing. You can see in this story that we read today that the church was growing, growing massively, both in numbers and in people's faith. So the first thing we can do to help our churches to grow is to pray. We have to pray for the churches of America to stop dwindling in both faith and in numbers and to start to grow again. Because unfortunately, the way the church is now, it's not attracting people because a lot of times the church compromises the truth. And so it's so important for the church to remain true to what the Bible says in order for it to grow properly. Well, anyway, faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, tune in tomorrow for an episode out of Judges. We are close to finishing up Judges. Actually, we're close to finishing up season six. We'll be finishing season six in exactly a month. So I think we're done with season six on December 1st. Yeah, and we'll be done with season six on December 1st and move into uh, season seven after that. So there's a lot to look forward to on the podcast. Once again, I'll be having Mr. Kolkol, Mr. Gregory Kolkol back on the podcast. And that'll be a really fun episode, but that won't be for a couple weeks. But stay tuned for that and check out everything in the description of this podcast episode. If you would like to support the podcast in any way, either monetarily or just by giving a review and sharing it on your social media platforms, anything helps to get the Bible Explained podcast uh, spread to more people. Anyway, friends and faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow. Happy listening and God bless.